We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Roses are red, your Valentine's a hottie. I hope you got some good lovin', because we couldn't master body. I'm so sorry. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. It doesn't work audio-wise. You can't master body. You can masturbate, and I hope you did, because it would have been better than watching the match. And Paul is here to tell you about all of that. You can find him on Twitter at Paz My Pants. Hello, Paz. I certainly am not here to tell you all about that. Woohoo! Woohoo! Uh, Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hey, some of you are going to be hearing about Harry's Razors on the podcast going forward. You'll still hear about our friends at The Enclosed and, and hear all about lingerie, which is great. But some of you will be hearing, depending where you live, about Harry's Razors. And we're so proud and thrilled to have them uh, you know, on board and be a part of what we're doing here. Because let's face it, we all shave. Men, women, faces, legs, special bits. We all shave. Um, and so, you know, we are, we are shave your to... beaver and pop it in your underwear. <laughs> right on time. Yeah. And pop it in your sexy. And that's so you need a Harry's razor to get ready to put on your enclosed lingerie. Boom. It all works. This is all just a long way of saying, I don't want to talk about the Bate game. Uh, we did talk it, about it it's, live. It's Elliot. I got to say, it's literally the only way I can get my underwear on is to first trim down my beaver. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so we, uh, Scottish Dave from the Arsenal Mouse podcast came on with me on Patreon. We, we went on and on and ranted and raved about the game. If you like a sort of a ersatz doom cast and that's what you're more in the mood for, you can go over to Patreon and hear that. You can also hear Scott and I. We did a pre-match pod, which you might think I'm not interested in it, but we did our Arsenal 11 of the decade, a decade 11. So players from the last 10 years, that's how many years are in a decade. Um, 
So yeah, we did that, and that was fun. So that's all over on Patreon, and we'll have more stuff there. But we love having you here now, and we're going to do the really analytical, analytical, measured version of the podcast. So I'll start with you, Paul. Um, should Emery be fired out of a cannon into the sun? <laughs> I mean, is that is that is that what we should do? No, I, Look, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you don't. Yeah, we, that. yeah, we 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 felt this out beforehand. We might have a slight divergence on this, and I'm, uh, okay. I fully expect okay. that. So let you me know, ask you. Three, yeah. 300 years ago, I, I would get burned at the stake for what I'm about to say here, but go okay, ahead. Cool. Um, all right, so so let's take this a step at a time. Let's talk about it as a game mm. first and then as mm. a larger issue at the club second, which I think will be more interesting because as a game, it wasn't much to look at. But it is fair to point out that whatever you thought of the lineup he picked, it should have been good enough. Whatever you thought of the tactics he employed, they should have been good enough. And certainly in the first 15 minutes where we produced almost 2XG right there, we should have been ahead. Um, is this as simple as we missed the chances early and lost our way as the game went on? How, how do you see it? Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. And I think, you know, the the pitch was not so much a factor in the game. I think it was a factor late on as we needed to zip things around it. I think we got a little bit more frantic. The quality went out the window. We got particularly sloppy towards the end when we needed to go up a couple of gears or change things. And I think because we didn't get to grips with the game by 60 or 70 min minutes into it, we got a bit frenetic. Um, I think the early part of the... I mean, look, I'm not defending the performance in the sense that I thought it was great or good. It was a mixed bag, but had we had they not got their their cross knocked in out of nowhere, uh, had we done something with the opportunities we did create in the first half, you begin to write a bit of a different story. And I'll use as a little guide for those who are biting their arm off listening listening to this. Uh, Stuart Robson was the commentator on the match when I watched it, and I I, I did watch it a second time. Believe me. Um, and he doesn't get concerned with Arsenal to about 52 minutes into it. And I think that's about right, where we start looking very predictable. Up to that, it you know it wasn't great performance, but it was a mixed bag with some players playing better than others. And after that, we just didn't seem to have any answers, options. You know, there was no Marouane Fellaini to bring in and, and uh, nod in some of these crosses. There was no Giroud. There was no playmaker to bring off the bench there was no second striker to use Ramsey for so there's loads to talk about but I guess my my basic take is it was not the uniform shit show that it felt uh, as the game wrapped up uh, I think there were a number of actually reasonably promising performances such as Maitland Niles I thought Mkhitaryan uh, was not great but showed promise I, uh, I thought uh, Kalasinac, for the most part, was very effective. Um, I thought uh, Mustafi was absolutely horrible, uh, particularly distribution on long balls. I'd throw that one in there out of the blue because I know I'm his biggest defender, but I thought this was a horrible game for him. But there were some decent performances in there. I thought Ganduzi worked his socks off. I thought um, our good pal Chaka was actually uh, quite lively given that he's been out for a while. I thought he was pretty I good with the ball. I thought he was really bad, personally, but that, that's fine. So, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang mm -hmm. on. I thought it was he was very good, and then he started being very sloppy, and a number of these players started to cost us, and I just wonder how much of it was the freneticness and the, the, the pitch. So, anyway, that's my take. 
Yeah. Um, no, I, I, so I, I know think it's not a popular one. It's not so much that it's not popular. I mean, I look, there's no denying that we ripped them apart early and they looked shell shocked. I mean, remember, this is a team in preseason and they didn't look prepared for us. And that's just what you want to do storm them out of the gates when they're really not prepared for this level of opposition and put the game away. And we probably should have. And so I have sympathy for the fact that we didn't get it done when the opportunity to get it done was presented to us early on in the match. I think what becomes disappointing to me subsequently is the way the pace of play slowed, the reliance on getting it into the wings and trying to deliver and across. And one thing I'm starting to notice about this tactic of, you know, getting the ball to the wing, crossing it or pulling it back. You know, we're not, we're not playing Aaron Ramsey. We're not playing Mesodozo. You got Ganduzi and Shaq in the middle of the pitch who are not going to advance beyond about 20 yards from goal. There's no second mm-hmm. runner. So there's really only one guy in the box, one guy wanting to get into the box. I mean, Mkhitaryan has a little of that instinct, and we saw it early. But as it broke down, you could see Lacazette's frustration, and we'll come on to Lacazette's frustration with the red card that he picked up. But, Clive, for me, it, you know, the the problem with this formation, with this setup Again, we've discussed how a back three can be an attacking formation, how it isn't by default defensive. But I think in a game where you know you're going to probably face a very packed defense, right? That you're going to get two banks of four, eight men behind the ball, nine men behind the ball. What you probably acknowledge is those central midfielders, you know, Shaka and Ganduzi, are not that valuable to you. Because they're not going to have any pressure advancing the ball. We never struggled to get the ball into their half. We played like 400 passes in the final third. What you need is an extra runner into the box or an extra player who can unlock the defense. And we didn't have that. So for you, was the tactic wrong because the opposition was going to play in a way that that didn't allow it to thrive? Um, How can I say? Let's start. Um, I I did a tweet last night about quality or system. And I think... For me, it's down to our quality, and I and what are the reasons for our quality being not that great? I think I do think the pitch had a lot to do with it. I think it was a leveler; it brought our quality levels down, and it made them survive. The game was really two games. We had the game before the goal, which basically was the first half, and we had the game after the goal. And people's lasting memory is of a game after the goal when. Bate were pressed into their box and did a Mourinho into Milan at Barcelona style defensive job. They did not want to come out. If you have that memory in your brain, you then think, we don't need a back three. Why have you got a back three when we when they're not coming out? When it was a game, and Elliot, your point is absolutely valid, when it was a game in the first half, we had lots of chances, right? We had, I think, 10 or 12, 11 attempts in the first half. Should have scored two goals. And there, as always with Arsenal this season, there's a trend of blowing halves. We waste the first half in many, many games, even in our unbeaten run, and we make it a game that we have to either fight back from or work really hard to win. And so for me, the game should have been 2-0 after 10 minutes, and then it's a different game. Right? It's a completely different story. We're just not dictating the story of the games enough by being efficient enough when it really counts. We don't care enough early. We think we're going to be fine. And what happened, the pitch deteriorated the game we're on. It, it was cut bad. up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that means up the passing Arsenal, of which we are a passing team with very few carriers, right, and very few technical experts going to drop the ball in a sixpence. And we don't have Olivier Giroud standing there waiting to head it in. 
right? So, well, we are really forced to play passing football into a packed defence with no plan B. So you walk away that memory, you think, well, what, what can I do? What's wrong? Why are we playing three at the back? Why isn't Ozil playing? Why isn't Ramsey playing? Because they are the only other options out there for us to, to make this team creatively better. Right, mm-hmm. and now the Urza and Ramsey situations. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Right, if it's a football discussion, purely football, they play. Right, if it's a relationship financial discussion, the relationship side is unclear to all of us. Financial side is becoming clearer. If it's purely football, then boys play. Right, so there's something else going on. There, so, there has to be, or it makes no sense. Yes, I agree. With yeah, that. <laughs> so please let's let's just let's just grow up, shall we? Let's just grow up as as and stop thinking about them as a purely football decision because we know it's not. We've been force-fed information about our financial situation, the loan situation in January. If it's football, our most talented footballer plays. Right. If you've got another situation, can I, ju- can I just ask you a question about that? Just to interrogate that just a little bit of more. You can. I mean. Is there no possibility in your mind that Emery has made this the flag he's going to plant? That that Ozil, for whatever reason, will not follow certain instructions about the way he wants to play. And as a result, Emery feels to have control over the team. This is a message he has to send. I mean, I, I realize these are different players. There was something similar yeah. with Hatem Ben Arfa in his past. Um, obviously, the Neymar situation, which was a little bigger than this, certainly. And I'm I'm not drawing, you know, the Hesse situation as well. I'm not drawing to complete parallels because they're all different players and situations. But yeah. in your mind, is it possibly just that Emery feels I can't, I can't establish myself in what I want to do here if I let Ozil walk on the pitch and play the way he wants to play? Uh, I don't. I can't dismiss that because it's the view that's out there, and you, you've got enough sort of, you know back information to sort of, you know, have that view quite so reference points. Let's, what, let's call them yeah, what they are, right? Sorry, reference points. Uh, correct, yeah. correct, correct, correct. But what I will say is we don't know. We do not know yeah, right. the reasons. Mm-hmm. The club may have decided we've given somebody an £80 million a year contract and we have to force him out of the club. We cannot rebuild this club without turning this page, right? So it's an absolutely crap time because we're not playing well. Our most creative player is either wherever you want to believe, either not at it, got the wrong attitude, or being frozen out. And so um, it's all depending on what view you have. Remember my points a, f- a few weeks ago about we need to communicate as a club about where we're going? Mm-hmm. If you don't communicate to Arsenal fans, we're going to fill in gaps and we're going to drive ourselves crazy about what we think is going on. Right? So, and from a communication point of view, we had the master communicator for 22 years <laughs> that's no longer there. And now we have somebody who some people think can't even communicate to the players correctly, right? Let alone communicate to us, right? So we have a huge gap about where we're going. All we can do is join dots and add up. And we can see chief execs going, head of recruitment going, power struggles behind the club. The team is a bit lumpy. We're not sure what the guy's trying to achieve on the playing side because it's not been communicated. We don't know how much power he's got because it's not being communicated. There was a team behind the team. Two of those members have gone. So who's in charge of this show? What's the strategy going forward? And all we do see, you know, some people only care about the last game and the very next one. And what we do see is some players been frozen out and some players been given opportunity that some people feel 
are not as good as some of the players being frozen out. So we have this absolute mix, which is really dangerous because without clarity, you drive division, disunity. With with disunity, I have never seen a divided club be successful. Never. Right between, unless you have clarity, you don't. You're just not going to get there. So we haven't got clarity from the top down. We haven't got clarity on the grass. So we're in a bit of a problem, right? So if you look at it that way, we've got a bit of a problem. If you look at this game, it's a crap game. It's a game we should have won. We didn't score our goals early enough. We ended up in an arm wrestle. We ended up in a game which had no structure. We had one defender standing in the centre circle. That was it. And everyone else was piling forward trying to get a goal. It's a it's an under nines game. Absolute rubbish. No formation. No system. When it comes down to it, we did not have the quality to execute. We didn't have the desire to execute because we didn't approach the game properly like we've done for many away games and we need to focus on the first 15 minutes of these games and dictate the story a lot more because that's a trend we can all agree we've been going on since the start of the season yeah no i i that's all true i don't disagree with any of that i think you know when you look at these games and this is the this is the other problem paul right i mean we were sold the story i say sold the story i mean it is true of of emery as a europa league specialist and that was mm-hmm. presumably part of the thinking, right? That we'd get two bites of the apple to get back in the Champions League. Top four in the Premier League, which I think we all agree was going to be tough, was going to be a bit of a long shot, but you know we were certainly hoping that it could happen. Um, and then win the Europa League, which again, equally a long shot. In fact, I think statistically speaking, probably more of a long shot. But Amen. Yeah, yep. yeah sure. But I think that... <laughs> That long shot doesn't include going out to Bate Borisov, which we haven't done, by the way. I get that. But yeah. what I'm what I'm trying to say, Paul, is that like he, he should know what it's like going up against this sort of opposition in this sort of competition. And the thing that I think happens when you get a team that sinks down into its box and plays deep and, and defends deep and doesn't look to come out and play and kicks long when they get their foot on the ball is those those central midfielders stop influencing the game. The Gendouzis and the Shakas stop influencing the game because they are not the players who who can win you the game or be decisive 25 yards out from goal, 20 yards out from goal, 18 yards out from goal. They don't want to run into the box. They don't want to play the straight balls in. They're not they're not as adept at, at making, you know, as Arson used to say, that they're they're the intermediate value passers, right? So what what I'm looking at here from a strategy standpoint was I feel that Emery missed the opportunity, whether it would have been Ramsey or whether it would have been Ozil, whether it would have been starting Aubameyang and Lacazette together. And let's be clear, by the way, I don't care if it had been an Enkedia. I don't care if it had been a young player because I'm all for rotating in a game like this. But I think personnel-wise, he had too many players on the pitch who could not provide the kind of influence that the game would have called for. We didn't get the number of shots that we would like. I think you know, there was a period in the second half where we're chasing the game where we played almost no passes into the box and had like one shot for for something like 30 minutes against Bate Borisov. So for you, are you surprised that Mr. Halftime Subs kind of sat on his hands till the hour mark in a game that was clearly crying out for a little more urgency and influence? Yeah. Um, Like I can see playing three at the back in the first half because it got Kolasinac and Maitland-Niles all the way up the pitch, basically as two more attackers, and we had a lot of sec- success getting in behind. It was clear at the end of the first half that we could have done with get somebody else getting into the box too. Um, and as they became even more defensive in the second half, the obvious play was at halftime to bring Aaron Ramsey off the bench 
assuming that he doesn't have a knee injury, who knows, um, or Obama Yang, um, or have Ozil come in and start uh, mixing things up a little bit because we were becoming predictable. They knew where we were coming from. It's, and it's not that in the second half we were universally terrible creating things. We still got Kalasnach into dangerous situations a bunch of times. There was a superb ball from Awobi. Uh, that that Ozil would have been proud of. We were still doing things probably up to about 55, 60 minutes where you would have thought, um, this is kind of okay, um, but we didn't have that option. And uh, if, if we've deprived ourselves of Ramsey in this game of our own volition, it's nuts. If it's, if, if Ozil's just out, uh, you know, I agree with Clive's point. He's too big a figure and it's too significant a financial factor that if if the decision is made, I understand why they're freezing him out and we're going to have to live with that. Um, tactically, though, the manager came with nothing new. I mean, it's nice that you can pitch the Dennis Suarez thing on a, hey, he can just pop in for a Wobi, backfill a Wobi or backfill Mkhitaryan and we have a seamless transition to playing in a similar fashion but it also means you've just got one more player who does the same thing and uh, it's also unfair to put our problems on him in his first couple of weeks at the club to judge him too harshly but it means when he comes on he's offering us more of the same and we didn't have any variation here Uh, i'd also like to reference the we were sold emery as the the key to winning the Europa League, I guess the thing is we sold ourselves that, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, thank you. It wasn't him who said it, and yeah. no, uh, no. But I, can I can I stop you just for a second and ask you a question? Yeah, Do yeah. you believe that his Europa League resume was a was a part of the that, that the that sure. the committee selecting the manager would have been very intrigued? by a guy who had won the competition we're in three times. That that would have yes. certainly been... Yes. An, let's put it this way. Let's say he had never won the Europa League and his managerial record was just everything else. You think we're still hiring him? So Yeah, mm. yeah, but but it... I mean... I, I'm not what saying... Was, that, what, what, what was I mean? the competition at the end of the day? I mean, yeah. I still think he wins it based on his resume... His PowerPoint. ability to communicate I his kid, footballing. I kid, I kid, I kid. Stop it, stop it. Clive, come back in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Please. And, I, and I think you're going you know, I think you're going to like this, right? So it all comes back to where Arsenal are in their life cycle, right? So we just come out of a 20-year regime, and now we had to manage the, the first phase of transition. For me, that was always going to be an ugly job. Right, it was never a job for Mikel Arteta, shall we say? Like in his first job, I think this is a ugly job, right? So, so you needed somebody experienced, you need somebody with a hard nose to manage us through the change upstairs, and to manage us with the changes we need to make on the pitch to completely change the culture on the playing side. So, so basically, I I feel it's about what do you think Emmy was for? For me. I think he was hired to get us back into the Champions League within two years. That's what I think he's hiring. He had, he's got a two-plus-one contract. He's got two years in this job. The first year, as I said before, is all about discovery and finding out what's what and finding out how the club works. 
if he can get us into a top four, brilliant. I'm really hopeful he can. I'm, am I expecting it? I'm really 50-50 on that. I'm hopeful. But we're playing the monster that Manchester United just refound itself. Chelsea are imploding a little bit, but we're still on the same points as them. And Spurs just keep winning, regardless of their performance. They just keep winning. Yeah, they're away in the distance, so, I'm afraid. You know. Yeah, so we haven't. I thought they would trip up by now and come back closer to us and make it a three-way fight. But it just hasn't happened, right? So, And so we're in this situation. So for me, we was always in a with an interim type manager and if he then goes past discovery the next thing for me in phase one is trust and the thing is do we trust this guy this is the big this is the real question forget about last night's result we'll smash him in the second leg right if we just just real quick i I hate to interrupt but it's what i do the 538 which is like a statistics-based website you know they they just focus on data and statistic have us based on their data don't yell at me don't yell at me it's not my data have us as a 52 percent chance to go through so i would have thought it'd be much higher but that's all they've got that's fine that's fine let's hopefully we play the game on grass and we see how we go we beat them six nil at home last season we should be fine uh, yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty confident but you know what let's see what happens so For me, the first year is about discovery, understanding how we operate, operate in a new way. But for me, the most important thing for Emery is to build trust, to build trust with the fan base, to build trust with the people that are going to give him funds to rebuild. And by the way, we're not giving him the funds. The club model has changed. The people behind the club are going to buy the players and give them to him, of which he will be a party to that decision. Right. So for me, this is my worry, Elliot. This is my worry. The club are not building the trust with the fan base. So now you have a wavering fan base. Without that unity, we will not go forward. So we we know we've got a number of contracts, contractual decisions coming up this summer. We know we've got financial improvements coming this summer. We know that some of the decisions made around Urza and Ramsey have been primarily financial. So we are creating some room to spend. And my worry is... How are we going to spend it? Who is going to drive that? Is it going to be the right type of player that's going to make us more successful over the next five years? Because what we've done over the last two or three years is take out a lot of okay players and added a lot of okay players, right? And we've not supported those players properly with the next phase. And so now that's staring us in the face. And my worry, mate, that's taken me to the wavering point is... Unless you build trust, unless you build, you build some sort of clarity, how can I say to everyone listening, we're going to be okay because we're going to buy the right players? Because the last five years or so, we haven't really done that in the right way and we haven't really retained people in the right way. We haven't sold people in the right way. How are they going to convince us, the fans, that they've got this sorted out? Because everything at the moment is telling me we haven't. Yeah, that's all well said. Paul, I mean, I... I think there's a couple of things that we should address here, first of all, right? There is no excuse for losing to Bate Borisov. I realize these things can happen, but to put it in perspective, the last time they lost to English competition was 10 years ago to Everton in a dead rubber. You know who made their debut for Everton on that day? I know the answer to this. Paul, do you know the answer? Can you, Marwan Fellaini. Shodran Mustafi. I shit you fucking not. Yeah, no shit. Um, I read so, that earlier. Yeah, great tweet. It's, it's a great tweet. Um, and, and all I do is tweet steal on this podcast. That's basically what we're all about. Um, I mean, they, they're not good. They, they have a player. Granted, he didn't come on. He was on the bench. Named Chicken. So you, you can't lose to a team 
that hasn't beaten English opposition in 10 years and has a player named Chicken. You just can't. Uh, they're terrible. I thought they were really terrible. And I think, look, for, this is the crazy thing. In the second half chasing the game against bad opposition, we had five up to the 90th minute. Five shots, one on target. All right, we had one, and that shot was from outside the 18. We had one more shot from outside the 18, way outside that, that Terrera effort um, uh, in the 92nd minute or whatever. So really, for, for the entire second half, one shot on target, five shots total. What I felt, Paul, that was really scary in the second half was the, the ball was moving so slowly, but every time it went into their box, they panicked. The keeper punched weakly. They hacked out clearances that went straight up in the air, and there was just no urgency or effort to get the ball into the box to put them under pressure we just kept seeming like we were looking for the opportunities to get it out wide get it out wide get it out wide and if you look at our pass map from the second half it's incredible because it makes a really it's like there's a force field around the middle of the box and everything goes down Kolasinac's side and you know, I'm not trying to lean into the the sort of trope of Emery Ball being get it to Kolasinac and hope he can put it in the box, but it certainly did start to feel that way in this game, and I'm not sure that the subs did a lot to change it because when Oba came on, we really played a 4-2-3-1 essentially, and he kind of played out wide, and he and Lacazette were, were not getting into the box together, you know, certainly not in any period of the match that I remember. So for you, how how do you analyze or examine the way we played that second half and the the lack of urgency or directness to kind of figure out on the pitch we need to get this ball into the box and start creating chances i mean because let me just stop for one second and do what i always do which is ask a question and keep talking this is this is european cup football the away goals rule gives you every incentive against a weaker team to just go batter them away so whatever vulnerabilities we might have had at the back getting even one goal losing that game 2-1 would have been better than losing it 1-0 Right? Losing it 3-2, better than losing it 1-0. Losing it 4-2, better than losing it arguably 1-0. So, like, do you feel that there must have been a disconnect or a poor plan in terms of going to Bate and having one shot on target in the second half down a goal? Uh, We needed another predatory forward in that (laughs) box for most of the second half. Why wasn't he in the box then? He was on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you needed Ramsey in there. The other thing we didn't do, and, you know, sometimes the way to beat a low block is just to be much more effective pressing them when they recover the ball in their third. And the fact that we have do not have an effective way of pressing teams at the moment or a plan to do that, it's the other great um, uh, playmaker, uh, as, as Clive just just prompted you know there's the Giro option the Fellaini option I can't believe I'm going to say this but we could have used Giroud last night (laughs) we could have used a focal point when you got got we got a barricaded box you need something else bringing on a Bamiyang is is not something else but I'm going to stop you for a second you could probably have played with Lacazette and Aubameyang in the box and delivered it to them we didn't even do that we did not test the back line and you know it reminds me the Huddersfield game in some ways they didn't look resolute. We just never put them under any real pressure. But, but Paul, I want to give you your, your, your time on the mic, so go, go for it. Well, I, I really covered my ground there. The one thing I would say is we uh, on the plus, look, there were a few minor pluses that we don't really care about, but Maitland-Niles actually had a decent game from his side, as did often Mkhitaryan. There were crosses coming in from that side, but it's basically a symmetry of the same problem. Who are they going into? And as as Lacazette became somewhat frustrated 
as things went on. And, you know, we talked about the ball falling to them in the box and not doing much with it, but that was, they were kind of getting mired down in that beaten up area in the center. It was like a bad wicket in cricket. Uh, not that that should stop a scoring, but it, it meant that even when the ball dropped to the floor in the middle, it was the defenders who had the advantage and the level of frustration um, Lacazette elbowed the guy for more than the fact that he was wrestling him to the ground. He was just, mm. he was struggling. And Aubameyang came on, he was struggling. And I agree with you, he wasn't brought on in a way that allowed us to mix things up, but we needed cleverer balls into the box. But you also need a bit of a joker like uh, playing the Ramsey card, where he's going to create runs, he's going to be that second striker. And we don't have another, I thought Ganduzi was very good. I admit, admittedly, it was against no great opposition. Some of his passes uh, through the lines, uh, Wobi had a few moments, um, but n- none of our midfielders are the guys who are going to make that run into that box that you get with Ramsey. And so we didn't have the Giroud, Fellaini kind of option. We didn't have the Ramsey option. Um, Aubameyang was brought on ineffectively. He was just one more uh, player attacking the box rather than really providing an option for us. Um, we squandered the aerial balls in. The, I mean, Aubameyang, he scored a few headers, but it's not really his game. So uh, we looked very one-tone and very predictable after a while. I, won't, I will say one thing. We say that uh, Barasov um, hasn't played for X months. The one thing they have had time to do over the last month or so is plan for us and practice keeping their shape, which they did really well yeah. on a terrible pitch. So to to say, like, we were never going there. There's no excuse, excuse not to win it. But to say we were, they weren't trying to play football. They were trying to keep a shape in the final third and the second half played into that. So... One has to say intellectually that makes sense to me good where it doesn't work for me is that I didn't see a resolute defensive effort I saw a team that was lackadaisical in advancing the ball into threatening positions and reluctant to deliver the ball into the box to put them under pressure and to back that up do do me a favor if you have access to the stat zone app open it go to passes or attack and then look at it by each half and here's what I want you to do passes is a really good one because you really see it very clearly okay Go to the chalkboard, the passing chalkboard for Arsenal. This is all very interesting stuff I'm talking you through right now. Yeah, you, it will yep. look like someone took the eraser tool in a, you know, in a photo editing thing and erased any influence we had at the D, at the top of their box and about five yards behind it. It's totally green. It's so why blank. Do you, why do you think that was, Elliot? The, there's no was? player occupying that space, Clive. What so we have is do, we have Ganduzi. Do, why, no, no, no. But you are assuming that is space. That is the most crowded area. But we have right? players that will interrogate that space, that will, no, no, that will no, put no, that space we, under no, pressure. No, no, we didn't play no, no, no. We don't. We do not have players that want to stand in crowd scenes. We have two strikers that are fast, physical, look for little bits of half spaces they can run into with power and run through with power. They don't want to go into the big bruising contact when they got three or four stormtroopers waiting there for them. Aubameyang didn't go near the box. I think he had eight passes in the game when he came on. Mm-hmm. Didn't go near the box, right? Like well, I he was said, also playing more... out wide. I mean, in a four-two-three-one. I, you know, I don't yeah. know if that was the instruction or just what you, he chose you, to do. You know what? Do you know what players do? This is how players work, right? Do they go into a crowd scene and stand on people's toes? 
to, to try and get on the ball, stand there, mark themselves, or do they go into areas where they can receive the ball, come out, and then run in? Run in and arrive into the, into the area of danger, into the golden zone, where they can arrive there with speed and get contact, much like the Lacazette goal that was ruled out, where he came out, spun, went back in, and just went back in too quickly. So he pulled them out, created the space in behind, and then he just went offside for the crossback and the side foot was missed, right? This game would have been a game that we can analyse if we'd have scored the goal. And then it would have been a game that we can understand the system, the formation, etc., etc. It wasn't a game. It was a it was a, a school lunchtime break game when mm. in the second half because they decided, if we haven't played for a while, we're going to stand here. We might be able to get a draw or a famous win but we're not coming out of our shape we are doing exactly what Paul said we're going to stay here and have 10 around the box if you're a player you're not going into that now if you're a fan you want us to go exactly into that why aren't we in there why are we in there how are you going to manipulate a barricaded box you have to pull people out now we we laugh about Giroud but he is perfect for this game because he wants the crowd scenes he wants exactly that hole you were talking about Elliot he wants that go on throw it into me I'm going to pin you and if you try and pin me back I might get a penalty I might get a knockdown and when you see Giroud in there what you do is what do what Ramsey did for three four years is that he runs right off Giroud he says he's going to win that and here I am Ollie here I am knock it down to me and I'll get a first time shot off Right? We're not playing that anymore. We've got two rapier forwards that don't want to be smashed. Don't like it. Lacazette showed it. I got smashed. Elbow. Sending off. Right? Abamayang. He's not a crowd scene player. You know that, Elliot. Right? This was a crowd scene, and we didn't have the option of player to get us through this game. Mm. We spent five years watching Ozil drop it on the sixpence into that circle you talked about, and Giroud flicks it into the net. He wasn't playing. Giroud's not playing. That game was gone for us, and we didn't have the ability to um, to to work around it. Okay, I, I don't disagree. I'm going to add to that though, and I put a picture in our little chat here with a little circle drawn around it. The part in the middle of the box we don't have anyone to stand in. I agree, but the the five yeah. yards behind the D, the the center of what I would call like the edge of the final third. When you yep. put someone in that area, the center backs have to take a step forward, or they have to be alive to it, or you have to collapse into that area a little bit. Yep. They were able to space themselves across the box and across the pitch because we weren't putting the center of the pitch under any pressure. Um, yeah. And that's not just a Giroud issue for me. That's a Ganduzi and a Shaq issue. you got two central midfielders who are comfortable playing around the midfield stripe. As they start to step into the final third, they're looking to, to spread the ball wide. I mean, that's what yeah. they do. Now, that's not a criticism of them, by the way. I thought we were <laughs> missing the player in front of them. I thought we were missing oh, yeah. the third attack, that attacking midfielder. And I, I think, here's the other thing. I'd feel a lot better about this tie if we just came off a game where we had 35 shots, 12 on target, and got unlucky. Are yep. we going to, you know, all right, we don't have a Giroud. I, my issue here is not the quality of players. There were plenty of quality players on the pitch to beat Bate Borisov. I think we agree with that. They had something yep. like transfer markets as the value of the squad they put out there was like 11 million euro total. Okay? Wow. so So we... We, we had a good enough squad. My issue is we didn't – I would have been pumping balls into the box that second half. I would have been 
trying through balls. I would have been straight balls into the box, crosses into the box, balls in, you know, because they looked so nervy clearing it. Their keeper made yeah. one punch at one point where he could have comfortably caught it and punched it straight into the air, and then their defender hacked it straight up into the air after that. Like I agree with that. We weren't aggressive enough putting the ball into it to make them defend. We didn't do that enough. No. We were far too precise with the crisscross passing, zigzag passing in wide areas to get people in for a cross. We were far too precise in doing that, and and I felt we became one-dimensional and easier to defend against as the game went on. Um, I think, Elliot, you know, I'm not trying to say we played well, mate. I thought we were rubbish. I thought they were rubbish. I thought it was a terrible game. Sure, but you can play rubbish uh, while trying to be, you know, while trying to create pressure for the opposition, right? Like, you can, yeah. like, like, like uh, here's my point, Clive. The first 15 minutes were fine. Well, they were totally fine. I mean, I, I yeah. have no problem with us. If we had missed a bunch of chances like that all match long and finished with six big chances that we missed, it's the five shots, right. one on target for 45 minutes of the second half against Bate Borsov that has me worried because, yep. you know, I, I got to agree with you. I feel like we go back to the Emirates and we stomp them. We beat them 6-0 at the Emirates last season. I think we get through comfortably. But then I look at it and I say... Are we going to have them pushed back, shitting themselves? Are we going to be shooting? Are we going to be crossing? Are we going to be putting direct balls into the box? The problem with this arsenal under Emery for me right now is we don't shoot much. We don't shoot much. We don't create a lot of chances. And we have one route to goal, and it's through the wingbacks. So, again, it's not that I doubt the quality. It's that I doubt that we will have the intensity of approach to to because I think against Abate Borisov you win by forcing them into mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. I, They're not good I'm enough worried, to I'm play worried, mistake free football. We will have the variety of approach. Elliot. That's my worry. Yeah, we will have course. the variety I, of approach. I agree. And 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 I'm looking at around the squad, and I and I don't see the variety for that team that's not doesn't deserve to be on the pitch with us. If they can stand in them holes, all are we going to do? Well, I, we put do? at least put it like so. Here's my thing, right? Maybe Lacazette never wins a header. Maybe Aubameyang never wins a header. Maybe we never get the chance. But like, put them under pressure and let them make mistakes. Paul, I want to give you one more shout here because uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a break and, and talk about lingerie, which is desperately needed. Um, so, yeah, Paul, uh, fill in. Sorry. Yeah, listen, it wasn't a lack of effort in the second half. It was a lack of variety, options, yeah. craft, uh, and, and a joker or a playmaker, but. You go back and those guys work their socks off frustratingly and somewhat embarrassingly. I am a bit worried about the leg at the Emirates. I don't think it necessarily goes nearly as smoothly as as we're planning. Um, but uh, obviously there's a reasonable chance we'll stuff them. Yes, please. Um, but wouldn't it have been really cool if kind of late in the second half, like one of the guys started dancing on their side and then it like burst into like a flash mob dance and they were like all dancing and we were all dancing. Also, second point, um, 11 million pounds gets you a lot of good players in Belarusia, like 11 Messies. So you got to factor that in. It was, it, well, Alex Kleb is definitely the Belarusian Messi. He's also 58 <laughs> years old. Um, He's a Barca player, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So how, how we never stood a chance. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about Landre and then... Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about a whole lot of things, really. Um, what we think of the second leg, the lock is at sending off. My, my enduring image of this game, you guys, and it's, it's sort of the thing that has me, had me so apoplectic at the end. It's 90 minutes plus one or 90 minutes plus two, and Dennis Suarez has the ball 30 yards from their goal, and he's giving it to Ganduzi, and Ganduzi's giving it back to Suarez. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, 
what are you looking for? What opening are you waiting for? Everybody crashed the box and put the ball in. Like, it it just, there didn't even seem to be an awareness that, like, we're losing away in the Europa League to farmers. Put the ball in the fucking box. I don't know. Just drove me nuts. Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll get a little bit sexy. That'll cheer everybody up. We'll come back with more after this. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at the Enclosed, the E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D dot com. Enclosed Lingerie is a Lingerie of the Month Club. That's right, just like a Beer of the Month Club, only better, because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're going to give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're going to want to go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from the enclosed? And the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance, to keep the intimacy in your relationship, the enclosed has your back. Every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift, and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship. So do it now. Go to theenclosed.com. There is a perfect fit guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. It's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie. Just go to theenclosed.com and enter promo code ARSENAL for $35 off at checkout. Do it now. Okay, we're back. And uh, now we get to talk more about the Bate Borisov game, so that should be fun. But what we're going to do is start to transition into sort of what does it all mean? Uh, it doesn't really mean anything. I think one thing we can agree on is um, the frustration here is had we put this tie away in this leg, it would have been really handy to rotate like crazy for the home leg with three games in a week in the league next week. So now instead of being able to be fully rested for Southampton, Bournemouth, Spurs away, We've got to play as full a side as possible, as hard as possible, and knowing us probably extra time and penalties before playing Southampton, Bournemouth, Spurs away. So that kind of sucks, I think. Um, Let's just quickly, quickly talk about the Lacazette red card. Um, Clive, I can't help but look at that and see frustration. Do you see that as frustration with the game, frustration beyond the game? I mean... Do you want to play armchair psychologist here and sort of let me let me in on your thinking about Lacazette getting himself sent off? Yeah, I think there were two instances, actually. There was an instance on the left-hand side into the box where he tried to run past somebody, and he got an elbow in the face. And he didn't get he didn't get what he wanted. The ball ran out of play, which wasn't for the first time in the game. The ball ran out of play, and he turned around and was really frustrated and angry because he felt he was fouled. He then came out of the box on our right side and then... Obviously, the guy whacked him in his coccyx right at the base of his spine, and he felt that, tried to protect the ball. The referee did not blow up soon enough. You know, sometimes the ref's got a blow on the first foul, so he allows him to turn, and then he just holds him around the way through two hands. And that's just a frustration there. Look, hold on. You fouled me once. I've turned you, and I'm trying to get away from you, and then you're, you're holding me back now. The ref needs to blow that really quick. And he doesn't. He tries to play some form of advantage. And um, there was no advantage with two arms wrapped around the face and around the waist, sorry. And then Bamyang throws the elbow into his chest and on rising, shall we say, into his chest. And the guy holds his face, goes down. No. Lacazette, yeah. <laughs> sorry, mate. Yeah, Lacazette mm-hmm. throws into his face and into his chest, rising into his face. And he goes down and takes it. And, and that's it. And that's the, the three-card trick, right? You've been done. The guy's held you. He's frustrated you. You've thrown out. You've gone off. 
and basically we now lose you for the second leg when I think we could do with him. Right? <laughs> so that's a real that's a real blow. That's a real blow. Well, and, and I mean, truthfully, like the, ordinarily I wouldn't be too concerned, but we just have two goal scorers in the entire team. Like we have Lacazette yep. and Aubameyang. That's it. And so, you know, hopefully Ramsey plays and Ozil plays and and Messi plays and Cristiano Ronaldo plays and they all play and, <laughs> and we, we win comfortably. But we will see. Paul, I mean, how much do you worry about Lacazette not being available in the second leg and who do you think stands to potentially come in uh for the for that game uh so i I worry because he's actually been pretty pretty much in form uh he's been mostly putting them away though he missed a few in this game uh he also scored one but was offside uh had another one the the keeper blocked uh which was very similar um, so he was pretty close to being in form in this game. Um, I think we'll miss him. Ob- Obama Yang obviously comes in, in in place of him. I mean, if we line up in a similar format, uh, it, it, it's probably a smooth transition, but it means there's yeah. literally nobody off the bench. So Ramsey needs to come back, needs to fix his knee, because we need somebody else. When you look at who was the second most likely player to score in our 11 before Obama Yang came on, it was probably Koscielny for God's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to have that issue against Bate Borisov of who's the second most likely player to get a goal on this team. Um, and if they're going to sit deep, maybe we should start with Ramsey uh, up front. So we just press the fuck out of them and force turnovers. So it's not co- coming in from the side. So uh, uh, I hope, I hope we're all on board back at London Colony with getting Ramsey back into the mix and quick because we need options. The scariest fucking thing for me is that Unai Emery looks at the second leg and knows how damaging it could be to concede and says, let's play it a little conservative. We'll get a goal eventually. You know, like, like that's my biggest fear as opposed to just like, we beat them 6-0 on this patch last year. Like, just go hammer the fuck out of them and be fine. Well, um, well fortunately, he does have a Twitter account, so... Uh, I'll message uh, him that, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bet. Uh, hopefully he's picking up a bit of the vibe that he, <laughs> even if he thought it was a great idea before he logged on to Twitter, he better not go conservative on this uh, Emirates y- Yeah, and I'm sure all the messages he's getting on Twitter are, are uh, thoughtful, helpful. And helpful. Yeah, circumspect. Yeah, yeah, Slide into his DMs, um, yeah. So, Clive, let me give you his words. The one thing that bothered me on Mesut Ozil's absence, and this isn't an Ozil question, but this is related to something he said in the answer to that. Today, the players that are here, we can win with these players, and we deserved that. Last week, for example, we won and we played with the same players. Today, for me, the performance is no different. Why is that good? Like, the thing that scares me about that quote, Clive, is... We were terrible against Huddersfield. And in the second half, we couldn't create a chance to save our fucking life. It was an awful performance. So isn't it a little worrying hearing him say, these are the players that played as Huddersfield, and they were good enough to win there. They should have been good enough to win here. I mean, he's not wrong. They should have been good enough. But like, yeah. like he's basically pointing to a terrible performance, especially second half, and saying, see, I picked the same guys that were bad against a bad team away last week. Isn't that a little bit worrying? Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, again, does that lack it, introspection, or is that just you know media fluff? <laughs> yeah, I, 
He did look sure. very stressed and embarrassed at the time. Oh, good. Yeah, okay, I'm not. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep this game into perspective. By the way, it's only half time in this game, right? So let's just remind ourselves of that. I'm um, trying to keep it in perspective. I thought the Clive, whole game. There's lots of room at this stake, so they could tie you to the other side of it before they light the kindling. So welcome <laughs> aboard. <laughs> so. So basically, you know, I, I, the Huddersfield game, you know you know what bothers me? I'll tell you what bothers me. We have too many games where we only play half a game. That's what bothers me. It's been something that's bothered me all year. You know, play the cold game. You know, Huddersfield, we played the first half and then didn't play the second half. We just didn't play. Right? And I get it that these players are playing three times a week and all the rest of it. And you know what? They've got the game under control. They don't rate the other team. Players know when a team is good and they just play what they need to do. I get it. Right? But come on, man. We want to see something. We want to see a Fulham away every now and again. We want to see somebody get it. Just to get, get people on board, get the trust going, get the feel-good factor going. That last-minute goal at Huddersfield for a 2-1 win, I felt it really damaged people. I felt it really damaged people's perception of the team that we couldn't keep a clean sheet at Huddersfield haven't scored a goal since before Brexit started right so it's it's, it's not right you know it, it's important that we do things properly we haven't taken that second half seriously enough and in the first half of this game we didn't take it seriously enough so you could say he might be thinking well you know what if we'd have scored in the first half the second half performances speaks for itself well we didn't score we end up in a fractured system in a fractured broken game on a muddy pitch getting worse trying to you know trying to play perfect passes and, and continually passing the ball out of play it is a concern and of course soon as what do we do we then look at the players that have got the accuracy and technical security that we expect and disruption in the box and the very two players that this team needed on this particular day were the two players one injured one not available for whatever reason we needed just those players for this game. It was perfect for them. No running back or running forward, passing the ball into a sixpence. We've got two players who can do that, can't we? We really have. and um, So that's a concern. So I, I'm trying not to judge Emery on communication because I don't think he's that good at it. And I said before, we have a void communication-wise in the club and we need to fill it fast, really fast. Yep. I mean, uh, I like it for me... There's a part of me that says you just throw a game like this out. If it weren't for the fact that I see some of the problems in this game that I consider to be problems under Emery generally. And, Paul, this is where we have to start to look forward a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. there is there is a trend developing. Don't don't, don't do it, Elliot. There, well, no, there, there is a trend developing. <laughs> We're losing him, Clive. We're losing there him. is a trend gonna, developing go. that this is a team... <laughs> It's that, like that thing, you know, with the dog, the sheep dog and the sheep, and you're trying to get them in the pen, and there's that one sheep that started to get twitchy with the emery still in pen. Here we go. Okay. He's um, going to bolt. Not bolting yet, but give me about two minutes and I'll be there. Uh, if if Emery's remit was to get the most out of the current group, like if he got hired on the argument of like, look, Unai, we're giving you a squad that is imbalanced and has flaws, but it's got a lot of senior players in it that are approaching 30 or over 30. We kind of need you to get back in the top four now. Your remit is win now, not build for the future, win now. If that was his remit, not using Ramsey, chasing Ozil from the squad, playing a system that doesn't suit the players we have, like that isn't that. Okay, if his remit was, you know what, Unai? We know the squad is kind of broken. Start building for the future. Implement your system. Drill the players in your system. Use the players you need to win with your system. Well, he's not doing that either. 
He started one way this season. He talked about pressing, getting the ball back quickly when we lose it, playing the ball forward quickly, being protagonists. Now he's switched to a back three. I mean, so he's neither maximizing the current qualities of the squad nor building a clear system for the future. He sort of seems in between those two things. And the back three feels a little bit like it did with Arsene Wenger a couple seasons ago, stumbled onto out of a lack of clarity of what this team can do best. And I'm not sure, I know for a fact it wasn't what Emery wanted to do initially, and I'm not sure why he's been wedded to it. So is it fair to now worry that Emery, sort of like Arsene, is looking at the squad and saying, I, I don't really know how to put it out on the pitch in the way that's going to best suit these players. Yeah, it's uh, what's that definition of a camel? It's a horse uh, defined by committee. And it, I think the squad's a bit like that. I mean, I would have said a camel is a desert wandering creature with a hump for preserving water in an arid landscape. But, you know, teach their own. Yeah, you would. Um, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have got many laughs with it. So, you know, every, each manager has been, of two, has been straddled with this defense, saddled with this defense. I don't want to straddle any of this camel, defense, if I'm being honest. Which is very difficult to do because it's got a hump. And, and it's the Achilles heel uh, of the team because it's very hard to build anything on this rocky defense. Um, and it has flummoxed. Emery. I mean, he's he's thrown three center backs at it, and that still doesn't fix it. It didn't fit. It fixed it for a game or two with him, and it fixed it for a game or two with Arson. But there's a Bermuda Triangle in our defense, mixing his metaphors, uh, and nobody knows how to fix it. We need we need a, another strong center back in there, or Socrates to stay fit a lot enough, long enough that he can pair up with Kishelny and they can build a robust enough pairing. If we can get that pairing firing again, it'll give us a platform at the back that we don't have yeah. to have these compromised formations. But if we can't, and those are two players that have had their challenges, we're going to struggle all the way through to the summer. So if we can, if those two lads can stay fit for most of our games, I actually think we have a chance to turn things around till the summer. I agree with your concerns on Emery as in, what is his remit? I suspect the problem is it's both. He needs to build Arsenal for the future and get us back into the top four, or at least look like we're heading into the top four as his minimum uh, remit. And unfortunately, this would be the point in the season at which you're looking for that turnaround. And we're still a bit of a mess and players coming and going the Ramsey situation, the Ozil situation. I mean, the Ozil one looks like it's done. So we we should almost stop mentioning him, but we won't. Um, So it's how much do we use Ramsey who, who will continue to be a very useful role player for us, but it's the rest of the guys that have to make it work. Um, It's, it's troubling. I don't know what I think about Emery. I don't know if it, if you're allowed to just not be sure. It's not that I don't have an opinion. It's that I have two opinions, and the future will will uh, prove which one happens to be correct. I, I don't I don't know how I feel about Emery. If I were selecting a manager today, you know, I do think he has brought. We shouldn't forget that he has done things for this team. They do work hard. I think in every game, I they do put in the work. Uh, they are serious. There is. There is a structure and a plan to each game, even if there isn't always uh, the variety we need or the creativity, even if it's a bit um, conservative. 
Um, but it looks like we don't have a structure because when you leak goals, um, you know, the, everybody assumes there wasn't a plan and it didn't work. But I think there's clearly in every game a plan uh, there was in this game. I don't doubt that there's a plan, Paul. I question yeah. whether the plan, you know, you can plan to put a bunch of round pegs in square holes, but you'd be better off planning to put those round pegs in round holes, if that makes sense. Um, speaking of I pegging. The lineup, I think the lineup was okay. <laughs> I think the lineup was okay. I think the problem that keeps coming back to it is when you can't keep goals out, when your defense can't defend the best laid plans of mice and men, you know, no battles, no plan survives. Uh, Getting punched and, in the mouth or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Clive, can, yeah, jump in. And then we've, we've got to talk about this Ozil thing that's that's breaking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll let you do that. Uh, I, yeah. I, you know, it, Paul's absolutely, you know, he's right. We, kind we, of we've, right. We've lost, our, we've lost our platform a bit. You know, we've lost, we've lost Bellerin. That's major. We've lost Socrates. That's major. So, to patch that up. We have to go to a back three because Maitland-Niles is not a fullback in a four, and neither is Socrates. I mean, maybe we are moving. You know, if I was the manager, and he wants to play a back four. I would look at Mustafi at right back. I would love to see Koscielny and Socrates in the middle of defence, and Monreal at left back. And there's your platform. Now, you know, three of those players are over thirty. And, and and one needs to be shot, right? So we got a problem. We got a problem there. We, if Cashel and Tim nailed it on the ask after today, right? And I I almost found myself finishing his sentence. If Cashelny is your still your best defender, what have we been doing for the last ten years, right? That should not be the case, and he is clearly our best defender. And so we're asking a manager to build something. Oh, by the way, can you get rid of the guy we gave an £80 million contract a year? So we need to reduce our wage bill. I'm sorry, we can't support you in January. You're just allowed to loan people. Can you go and find somebody you can get on loan? Right? And, and by the way, we're going to judge you now because you haven't turned this ship around, even though half the players that you have, more than half the players are not your players in any which way or form. And we've even bought players to you in the summer that don't suit your system, in Lichtsteiner, for example. So it's very difficult. So I, I want to judge him, but I don't think it's fair to judge him based on all these extenuating circumstances. But the direction of travel is not good. We have three home games coming up, I believe, two, two, or definitely no, three home games coming up. Mate, we need to win them all. We need to win them all because then we go to Spurs. We need to win these next three home games. If we don't win these next three home games, as we should do, we have a problem. We have a real problem. We then go to Spurs and they're going to have all their injured players back running around like three-year-olds. We need to go to Spurs with full confidence. Right? Otherwise, trouble. I tell you now, trouble. Yeah, and it starts with a T and that rhymes with P and that stands for piss myself the day of the game. Um. <laughs> I, I want to ask you guys a question before we talk, Ozil, just real quick. I want to talk about sacking the manager. Um, <laughs> just casually drop it. No, no, no. I'm not saying we should. And, and I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying Emery should be sacked. I'm not saying we know if he should be sacked. I'm not saying it's time to sack him. I want to talk about sacking managers in general. We have had a manager for two decades who was a legend, and we felt shame for a while about wanting him out. We had to come around slowly to the idea of wanting him out because we loved him so dearly, because we held him so close to our heart, because he had accomplished so much at the club. Some people learned to hate him, which I can't understand, but some people got more comfortable wanting him out, and over time, we all kind of got there. 
Modern football is not that. Modern football is coaches that stay three to five seasons if they're successful and one season if they're not. Lester fired Pearson. They sacked Pearson. They hired uh, uh, Ranieri. They won the league. Chelsea won the Champions League with a caretaker manager. They won the league with multiple managers. Pellegrini won the league. Two seasons later, he was out and Pep was in and Pep got 100 points and won the league. Brendan Rodgers got Liverpool as close as they ever got to a title in the Premier League era. He got sacked. Now they have Klopp. They're better than they ever were. I'm not saying we should sack Emery. I'm not. And by the way, we sacked Arsene Wenger. We, we had to. PSG sacked Emery, and they're better for it. Um, what I'm saying is, do we need to acknowledge that sacking isn't a moral wrong? That discussing sacking the manager isn't a moral wrong? That it's not a thing that can only be discussed after several years and multiple windows, but that in fact, modern football is about a manager coming in, using what he's got, building a little more, and either succeeding or going. And that we should, Paul start to recognize that it it doesn't make you a fair weather see you next Tuesday to, to think a manager should go because in the modern game and going forward, our managers are only going to be here maybe a season or two, maybe three to five, but that's about it. And that there's more examples of clubs getting better by sacking than there are examples of clubs sticking with a guy who wasn't working and becoming good long term. So, do, do you see where I'm going? Like, do we just need to I realize do. that discussing yes. sacking the manager isn't an ethically inappropriate thing to do and, and readjust how we have those conversations to be more suited to the way the modern game works? Yes, we do. Every fiber of my being twitches against this. But yeah, that's the way it works. Uh, most businesses, most new businesses fail. Most new managers fail. Most new, most football transfers underperform or fail that's just the way it is and so you got to come into it with an exit plan that's why managers load up their contracts so they're so hard to sack uh, that's why jose marina Mourinho had his 19 million poison pill that made uh, even uh, the united brass slow to sack him despite the fact that he's been working six months assiduously in fact, longer across the summer, saying, lobbing all sorts of grenades at them to embarrass them to get himself sacked. So yep. he could get us even more than 19 million. It's just just the way it works. And we need to be, you, you can't be classless, but you, you've got to be honest about it. And for me, the litmus test with, with uh, Emery is something we can't see, which is, What's his relationship with Raul Sanlehi? Because that's really who we're betting on. And will he? do we have a strategy for Sven Mislintat 2.0 to uh, move forward, recruit in the right age group? Is it ever Banegas going forward for Emery? Because if that's what he thinks he needs, I'm out. Uh, we have a very limited budget, as he himself took the time to explain to us. So if he doesn't spend it on 23, 24-year-olds who will be either his going forward or the next guy's going forward, if he can't, if that, if he wants to spend our budget in the summer in ways Raul Sanlehi shouldn't be letting us, then I'm out. But if he's willing to commit to the project going forward with the next Torreira, the next Ganduzi, the next whoever in the 23 to 24 year uh, uh, bracket, then I'm very open to continuing forward with him. That's that's yep. my metric. And, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Clive, and I'm going to say it this way. I am not saying sack Emery. I, I have no problem giving him the rest of the season. If we finish top four, win the Europa League, 
Of course he deserves to stay. If we finish top four, he deserves to stay. If we win the Europa League, he deserves to stay. If we finish outside the top four and don't win the Europa League, I think it is fair to say, I didn't love the football we played. I didn't see a clear plan. I didn't see him working with Ozil and getting the most out of our highest paid player. I, I'm i not sure I have the confidence in going forward with him. And you can say, oh, well, that's that's an entitled cunt attitude. And, and you'd be totally fine to say it, by the way. But what I'm saying is, that's modern football. If the plan isn't clear and the season didn't work and you got to make a decision about what to do, then in modern football, you usually move on. That's usually what happens. So, Clive, how do you feel about that as the way the way it works and the way it should work? So I've got a few assumptions in there, and Paul brilliantly said, right, but you, you'd, you're assuming Emery owns the plan. Let's forget what we used to see. Wenger owned the plan before, right? Agreed? Well, he owns the plan on the pitch. Right, so you, you didn't say that, right? You said so, about sorry, the sorry. plan. Sorry, I meant, I, I, meant, I, I meant what he's trying to do with the squad. So let yeah. me rephrase. Yes, I don't see – I still – and we're in February, mid-February. I still don't see anything on the pitch that I can point to and say, yep, I see something Emery's doing, and it's working, and we're getting there, and if he gets the right players, that is going to be a winning solution. I, yeah, I don't we, see that yet. He's absolutely – it's not as clear as what we were talking about in, in – November. And it certainly right? doesn't fit with the comments he made about what we should expect in the summer, right? The win the ball back quickly, move the ball forward yep. quickly. Be in, we saw know, all yeah. of that direct running, mm-hmm. passing the ball yep. forward. We all eulogized over it. He's lost three, you know, three key players for a season, and he's now trying to patch that back up. And it's not looking great. Right, it's not. It's just not even close. We don't seem to be working as hard. The, those fundamentals I kept talking about seem to have disappeared a little bit, and we are now. We we look very much like last year's Arsenal with, with maybe a reduced plan on the pitch because we got reduced options on the pitch. Right, because because we we now have only got one style of playing, and if that doesn't work, we're in a little bit of trouble. Right, we almost need to give other people the ball to create a, a transition team, and when teams are in, we're struggling. So yeah, we're making that assumption that he owns the plan. There's two plans, and Paul's nailed it. There's two plans here. There's two levels. There's two layers. We have the plan behind the team and the plan on the pitch. At the moment, the plan on the pitch is is dead. This is it. Can we squeeze stuff out of this group? Because he has not been back. So, Elliot, I think this is a two-plus-one-year contract. This is a two-year role for him, right? And at the end of it, he has to be really well to get the next contract. He will get that at the, the end of next season if he's still here. But if he gets the money to build this club, and he's part of the team that recruits, and he's not working by Christmas, he's done. He is done. But that could be the time in the new harsh so, so world can, can where ask, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter because what we're trying to build, really, sorry, mate, the last little bit, if we're building two teams, the first team is not quite built yet behind the team and the manager becomes just a movable part. And, we, and your point and your original question was we have to change our thinking that we don't have to have somebody there for 15 years and we don't have to wring our hands because we have a structure – allows that person to change because everything is not wrapped around him. And that's exactly that diversification is exactly what we all wanted. So we, we haven't quite got it yet because the structure's not there behind him mm. and we're not sure the relationship that Paul alluded to brilliantly. We don't know the relationship between Sven and, sorry, between Emery and Raul. That's the key relationship. The guy that's running the football show is the guy we need to be looking at and saying, you need to start talking. 
you need to start saying what your plans are for this club. You've got a budget coming in the summer. I know you can't say too much because we don't want our the selling clubs to understand what we've got in our back pocket. But I can't wait for the summer because the, the, the trauma we're going through now, it needs to disappear really quickly because we're filling the gaps in as we spoke about earlier on. Yeah, and, and by the way, again, I want to be clear. I am not saying let's sack Emery right now. I'm not there yet. I, I, I have a lot of concerns, and I have to admit that I'm closer to thinking he won't get it right than that he will, but I am not decided on that yet at all. What I'm saying is we have to stop thinking that a manager can only be evaluated seven years into their tenure or something. You know what I mean? That's just not yeah, how yeah. it goes. For all the reasons I listed, for all the clubs I listed, P- Pearson didn't do anything wrong at Leicester, but Ranieri won the title. You know, Pellegrini didn't really do anything wrong at City. Uh, um, you know, I mean, look, Arsenal... So Elliot, can I ask you a question, Elliot? What's the difference? You know, I feel slightly different about Sarri, for example. I think he could be in a bit of trouble at Chelsea. You know the difference? It's, Honest to God difference? You're not a Chelsea supporter. So yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, is, I hate is to that, say it. it you you feel there's something grotty about saying that our manager should go, but you don't feel that way about saying theirs should go. Well, I think their manager's in, in probably a bit more danger. And on my reasoning is he has been backed to put some key people in place. Do we believe that? that Do we believe that loaning Iguain and moving out Murata made them a better team? Uh, okay, fair point, fair point. He but he has he, he has put in his key kingpin in, in Jorginho. Yes. Also goalkeeper was a situation they had to there was in a contract situation with Courtois so they had to lose one for thirty five, buy one for seventy. I'm not and, sure but let's not be re- too revisionist about our situation too. If I asked you what is the single position we have most ignored over the past decade at Arsenal, you'd say defensive midfielder and we signed Lucas Torreira and I think we yep. all agree that was a brilliant signing. So I'm not saying Emery's but, been back no specifically. No one, cred- no, no one credits that to Emery. No. We credit that to everybody else but Emery. Right and um, and we don't see that as his style, because. Um, Can I ask you a quick you know, question? Do Do you think? Ahead. I mean, we got Socrates, Licksteiner, Leno, Torreira, Genduzzi in the yeah. summer, and and Dennis Suarez, who is a player that by all means we believe Emery wanted. Do you think yeah. we have a better squad January first of this or you know February first of this season than we had February first of last season? I think it's indisputable um, that we do. Yeah, we didn't I'd, lose I'd anybody so. of value, and we added players of value. So, like, and let, you know what? Let's not go down this rabbit hole yet. There's time for this to sort itself out. Let's talk the yeah. Ozil thing before we go to an hour and a half, because I don't want to get to that that point. Um, because I, I'm paid by the minute. Um, so uh, I, I will let Paul have the first swing since we've just kind of gone back and forth together. So Mesut Ozil, who is playing three dimensional social media chess while the club plays checkers, um, yesterday. So so two days ago before the game. Today's winning team, training fun 100 fire emoji, team spirit, we are Arsenal, yeah, Gunners, yeah, C-O-Y-G, M-O-10, Arsenal, pictures of him in training. (laughs) Next day, not the result we wanted, but we can still do it in the second leg and reach the next round. Let's bounce back at the Emirates, especially for our fans, football emoji, punch emoji, hashtag C-O-Y-G, red, white emoji, hashtag M-O-10, hashtag bad arse, hashtag U-E-L, at Arsenal. And now, 26 minutes ago, quote, when you start supporting a football club, you don't support it because of the trophies or a player or a history. You support it because you found yourself somewhere there, found a place where you belong. Praying emoji, hashtag Dennis Birdcamp, picture of Mesut Ozil standing in the rain wearing his Arsenal shirt. And then my tweet, 
You ready for it? Yeah, go on. Okay, my tweet. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> um, Mesodozo's playing some social media chess here. It, it's a pot shot at, at, at Emery, isn't it, Paul? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, you guys warned me there was a new tweet, so I like went to it. You know, like you go to a, a, uh, a tearjerker movie and you're like, supposed to get to the bit where you cry but you're you're inoculated to it plus you're the kind of guy who doesn't cry so i get to it and a reason i'm like he hits me right in the stomach so anyway i I quite like this Uh, i am a sucker for the beautiful girl that i've decided it's not going to work out with and 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 it just wasn't you know wasn't working and there wasn't enough there and she's not the right material and then and then I see her at a party and I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Um, that's a pretty good tweet, I must say. I know a lot of people have been cynical about it, but if, I wonder if they aren't being cynical to protect themselves. I mean, they're rightly cynical, don't get me wrong. It's it's He obviously is fine with this and sanctioned it, but I think they've decided to, Arsenal started something and uh, that was a Mesut Ozil mic drop tweet there. That sh- that should liven, even if you think it's cynical, right? Even if you don't buy it, that has just fucking lobbed a grenade that's going to reverberate through the media from here to the end of the season. So they're drawing a line and saying, we will not go quietly into the night. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Paul. Uh, and if you think back to, I know the German exit was slightly different and there was a lot more around that. But he knows how to slam a door behind him, right? And he can slam it li- loudly. And I feel, I still feel Germany haven't replaced him on the pitch yet. They've got no. He's such an influential player that you find it almost impossible to play without him because he's so good at certain things that he does. Is that you end up playing to him? And he, I, I just don't feel they've replaced him. And, and obviously, we haven't replaced him on the pitch yet, and we don't know what's coming around the corner. And while he's can, I'll tell you what he's very good at. He's got very good PR. He's got very good social media people, and he is not a little flower that's going to sit there and allow people to stump all over him. Well, he he's see, look, do. he sees the low point. He sees the result. He yeah. knows there's vulnerability. He's not an idiot. He didn't do this after the Chelsea win. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. This is one very other, one considered. Other Here's another thought. He doesn't want to go to China. That's no. What's going on he's, he's controlling. It's Milan or nothing, mate, for you. And by the way, also, you can pay half my wages while I'm there. He's making sure he's controlling this. And, and he's reaching out to the fans to make sure he controls the narrative and, uh, and make sure that everyone knows I'm fit and I'm ready and I'm sharp and ready to play. And by the way, I never had a bad game previously. The fact I've missed 100 games in my Arsenal career. Don't worry about that little well, statistic. Most of them are this Don't season. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that 100 games I've missed in my Arsenal career for sniffles and colds, etc., etc. In the end, we only, at this moment in time, when we just lost to a bunch of part-timers with somebody called mm-hmm. Chicken on the bench, we miss this guy right on the It's pitch, a shame that game wasn't in the better. Ukraine because then it could be Chicken Kiev, but, you know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> look, oh, I look. you were going to miss out this topic. I, yeah, but I couldn't help myself. Right? <laughs> look, I, I got... gets me going and I'm fucking... I can't stand I, I got to say it, though. I mean, look, I agree... I think I am prepared to say Mesut Ozil never reached the heights at Arsenal that I thought he would reach. Even at his best, I thought there was more. It just wasn't consistent enough and maybe in big games, okay? Having said that, 
I think Mesut Ozil has been the best or second best player at Arsenal every single second he's been there since he arrived. He was voted our player of the season by us, the fans, just a couple seasons ago. So we sure loved him then. Everybody wanted him re-signed. Surely not on this wage, but re-signed a year ago. There, We are quick to do the revisionism thing. And I think right now Mesut Ozil is the second best player at Arsenal. Best or second best? He's one of those two. So Probably the best. So. Yeah, probably the best. So... <laughs> The notion that he can't help us on the pitch well, is he's absurd. the best player to Arsenal in home games. Oh, in away games, yep. he's like the 14th best. Well, here's what I would have said. I, look, no one no one can beat up a minnow like Mesut Ozil. You, you know what I mean? And and I think if, if he doesn't think he's up for the battle, if Unai doesn't believe he can use him away at Spurs, you're not going to get a lot of argument from the fans. But at Bate Borisov against you know a bunch of farmers sitting in their potato patch, I'm fucking sorry. You, you, that's where you want him. Paul, f- final no, words on, on or Clive. You, it sounds like you got something. So just only one yeah. thing, and it's, it's, it's really to repeat something Tim said. All this drains from us. It really is a draining thing. I, I'm so I, I so want to get past it and and move beyond. It's almost like you know the Titanic is starting to sink, and we're wondering if the wine is chilling still. Is it? Do you know what I mean? Because I'd love to. Yeah, it, you know, it's like um, come on, it's, it's so much bigger stuff, but it, we we can't see past it. And uh, it starts with the football, though. It starts with it, the football. Yeah, it does. It does. It starts. With, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's not about the football, but in the end, it's a situation here that we can speculate about, but we don't fully understand it. We don't understand why he's been taken out. And for me, I can only conclude it's financial. That's all I can conclude, um, because if it's football, he plays. And when then, we then said you know that, what? I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something right now, and I, I, I think this goes for the Arsene Wenger era too. It is shameful the way Arsene was held, what was hung out to dry on certain issues that arose at the club in his final few seasons, where we were left to speculate whether he was being parsimonious or the club was being parsimonious, or we were selling players or he was selling players, and he was hung out to dry, and we wound up blaming him. And, and believe me, he deserved a share of criticism the way he managed the club yeah. down the road, but. He was hung out to dry because the club, ne- you know, Ivan Gazidis was happy to trouser his $2 million bonus and, and say we could compete with Bayern Munich and let Arsene Wenger answer everything else. Yeah. And if the club is doing that to Unai Emery, it is absolutely fucking shameful because, Sweet. you know what? Mesut Ozil is a problem at the club right now. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It is silly to pretend that the fans aren't seeing it. Of course we are seeing it, and no one is saying boo about it. And to trot Emery out in front of a camera every match and say, the protagonists I want are on the pitch. Like, I'm sorry. No one believes that. So it is shameful that he's being put in that position if indeed he's being put in that position. And if that is the case, then the club is a bigger shit show than any of us believe. Because you cannot have a manager carry water for the executives at the club who don't want to pay a player's wages that they fucking agreed to a year ago, that is not fair. And if that is the case, then then they should take a long, hard look at themselves. Good enough? Brilliant. Brilliantly well said. Perfect. Good. Let's leave it there. Paul's on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Thanks, Hey, pause. hang on. You're yep. going to come to me. I oh, got <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> for a couple of words. Man, that so, would have been a great place to leave it with me just going fucking ape shit. Go for it. Yeah, here's eight words. Mm-hmm. China crisis. He does not want to go to China. Uh, you come at the king, you best not miss. Mesut Ozil, mic drop. So, um, and one one other uh, thought. Mesut Ozil should have played better when he did play this season. Right, that's me. Okay. Mm. Yep. You lot are too good. That's that's too wise. You're both too wise. You're well too said, kind. Very Pause much on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Thanks, pause.
Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Top work. Well done, mate. Same to you, my friend. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. But if you block me, you will not hear rants like the one that was just slammed into your ear holes. And, uh, you know, I hope it felt good. In any I've event, got nine medical orifices. <laughs> Keep going. We'll be back after the much needed Arsenal 10. That they know.